Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmarla. This is David Lichtenstein. This week we're going to be speaking about tefillah. It's Elul and the Mate Ephraim, who is, you know, the Rav of Brod. He wrote so many Sfarim. He writes in Tafkov Payalaf, he says, Afilu halomdim, loichim zman, to be ayin in tefillah. In Chaydeshel. This is from the great Lamden. So, who do we have? We have Rabbi Moshe Hauer, who's the uh, the executive vice president of the OU, Rav in Baltimore for many years. He'll be speaking about tefillah. Rabbi Hauer, who was it who said, if you want to take a trip around the world, just start davening? They say it with the Pusuk of Elav Arecha, Elav Asusim, Nachu Hashem Hashem. Some people have to travel by wagon. Our next speaker will be Hagoyin Rabaran Lapiansky, Rashiva of Greater Washington. He's the, the, from the great Mirror Royalty, Adam by Rabbi Benish Finkel, Talmud of Ramesh Shapiro, who spoke so much about Philo. Here's Rabaran Lapiansky. I'm, I'm I, 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 you know, one of the ways in which it, an example of how Philo shapes our understandings and our scoffers. If we, everyone needs Panasa. Everybody needs Panasa. So if we were the ones that would make the Lushen Hatzilla, we, we would say something along the lines of Yerushalayim, please let us win the lottery ticket, the, the $1 billion jackpot, uh, cash option, please. That would probably be the Nusach, more or less, that we would come up with. It's not the Nusach that Chazal gave us. The Chazal didn't give us a Barakat Shpokhu, giving us a Shefa. Baruch Aleinu, Komunis Vosalateva, the same Bracha, the real the real goal of Parnassa is a bracha b'maisi yadayim. Getting a dumped money is a klala. Then from uh, Florida, we'll have Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, the Rav of arguably perhaps the biggest shul in America. Here's Rabbi Goldberg. We have to understand the words. We think of the sitter as a sitter. You know, we've got, we've got Bate Medrash and Library filled with Sfarim. We've got Shirim. We've got Perushim. But we forget that the sitter is a safer. And it too can be studied and learned. Then for the women, like how is a mother after taking care of kids, waking them, putting them on the bus, doing the laundry, picking them up, doing the... Where is she supposed to find the energy or the time to be a mispalel? Here is Rabbitson Slavi, Young Wolf. Women are naturally spiritual. So the whole day we're really talking to Hashem. And the whole day you're saying, oh, please, Hashem, let this kid come home okay. Let this doctor, you know, let that be okay. Please let this child do well on his Gemara test. Whatever it is, let this one get into the school. There's so much that a woman is davening for and speaking to Hashem all day. You don't even realize, but you've been connecting all day. And here's Rav Shai Shechter, the Rav in the Five Towns, the son of uh, uh, Goyen Harav Rav Herschel Shechter. Here's Rav Shai. One of the Rishonim writes where the Gemara says someone who has a Chol of should go to Yevachetochacham Yevakesh Rachamim. So, so what does it mean? So I should ask someone else to be misfollowed for me? I think the Meiri writes on that Gemara. A very novel interpretation. He says, go to the Chacham, watch the way he davens, and you'll learn from watching the way he davens how you're supposed to daven. I guess I could say, I know you're, you're close with my father, but I don't know if you've ever watched his derech in Avodis Atfila. I was raised in a home where my father's Avodis Atfila is so much a part of his, of his entire persona and personality. He takes Tfila so seriously, really, never, ever comes late. I, he used to wake us up for davening, like, so much earlier than the Tfila. He used to leave the house for davening so much earlier than the davening. He used to tell us, if you're not early, you're late. And he stands there throughout the entire Chazar Sashat with his feet together, 
pointing in the sitter, looking at every word. I, I even watched him many times when he had to dive in the yechidus. He was running somewhere, he was in a rush, and he couldn't make it to a minion for whatever reason. The avodas hatfila at home was exactly the same as it is in the shul when he's standing in the base medrash with all the Talmud and with everybody watching. So this should really be a, a wonderful, very timely program. Before we go to our guest, I want to share some thoughts about Tfila myself. Eloy Wiesel wrote an editorial in the Times in the late 90s, very moving editorial, where he, he went through the concentration camps and he was in Auschwitz and he says his first night there he saw children hanging from the gallows. And for more than 50 years he struggled with Auschwitz, World War II, and Rabbi Nishalalem. And he writes before, you know, in the late 90s, he says, Rabbi Nishalalem, it's time that we made up, me and you, because I can't go on without you. And, you know, he says, it's been such a long fight, and let's, let's agree that I have questions I'll never know the answers to, but I, I need you back in my life. So he was talking about the tefillahs of Rosh Hashanah Kippah. He says, I need the melodies, the nagunim of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippah again. And I think there's a powerful message here. That tefillah, it's one of, you know, they say Abraham Maslow, before he died, he wanted to add on a sixth necessity of man after shelter and clothing of a relationship with the Rabbi Nishalaylam, which is what tefillah is. Tefillah is about a relationship with Kaviachal. We need that in our lives. And if we don't have it, there's a vacuum. I heard over a story that there's a Chabad Shliach, Rab Gershon Shusterman, he said a story, he said his father was in the hospital, and it was, it was a two-bedroom, so there was another Afrayid on the other thing with his family, and it came Mincha time, so Shraf Shusterman, you know, put on his gartel, and he davened, you know, a, a Mincha, and these are five sets of eyes, ten eyes staring at him. When he finished, they said, what were you doing? He says, I, I was praying, you know, at the end of the day, we, do the, we offer the afternoon services, and he says, they looked at each other and they said, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had been taught how to pray? So tefillah is something that, it's, it's essential to the Adam. I remember I once heard over from Ramosha Shapiro, he said that the word Adam, Aleph, Dalad, Mem, if you spell it out, Aleph is Aleph, Lamed, Pei. Dalas is Dalad, Lamed, Saf. Mem is Mem, Mem. So the missing letters of Adam make Mispalel. Write it out. You'll see he was right. In other words, Adam and Mispalel, it's one unit. Like Maslow wanted to say, without Tefillah, without that relationship, there's a huge gaping chasm in our hearts. And sometimes people recognize it yearly, monthly, weekly, and sometimes like the people in the window over there in the hospital, it's at the end of their life that they realize there was something essential missing. So that's how important Tefillah is to us. But I want to talk about a question that we spoke to some of the guests. Many people say, how could I be a mispalo when my tefillahs don't get answered? And I want to give a, an assortment of, of responses. You know, one answer is, they say over that there were two tzaddikim we're talking, and one said, ah, if I would have been, if I would be the Rabbi Nishlalem, I would do things differently. And the other one said, you know, if I was the Rabbi Nishlalem, I would do the exact same thing. I would just know why I was doing it. What does that mean? The person who's really oivid meyahava, korei lai ve'encha, agidalacha, gedulais ubetsurais, lo yadatem, I'll tell you the mysteries that you don't know. They just, they know in their hearts that there are no questions and whatever happening, there's a reason for it. 
The Lechavitcha, Mordechai Lechavitch, late 1700s, early 1800s, Tzadik HaMakubal, I, I may have said this before on the air, he teaches the Pasik, but we say every Yom Sheni in Bizbar Shalom Nekaira. He says, the Pasik says, Diminu Eloikim Chazdech HaShem Bekerav Hechalecha. Which Pashup Shah means we thought, Rabbi Shalom, that your Chesed was only Bekerav Hechalecha, but it's really Ad Katz And he teaches the Pasik differently. He said, Diminu Eloikim, we thought it was Midas Hadin. Chazdecha Bikerav Hechalecha. Those who are Bikerav Hechalecha, they know it's only Chazdecha. So what does that mean? There are those who are avid with real Ahava, with real Amuna, and by them they say, I would know what you were doing, but I know you know what you're doing. To these people, that's really the answer. Whatever you're doing, it's the right thing. I don't understand it, but it's real. And by the way, this is the tefillah of Avraham. Avraham is Ovid Meahava. So the Ovid Meahava with love, when I'm near you and I love you, I could see Ahava Mechalkelis as Ashur. There, there are no questions. I need no answers. But there are those were times in our lives when we serve like Yitzchak. What is that? Tzavaydah, what does that mean? We're, we're struggling. It's mencha, it's the end of the day, it's the end of a long work day, and we have just lots of questions we're struggling with, things that we need that we don't seem to be getting, right? We worked so hard today, and we, we need it. It could be a shidduch, it could be a parnasa, it could be health. And what's the answer? I think to those, they, this is what the people say. They say, you know, it's not that Hashem isn't listening to your It's maybe the answer is no, or maybe the answer is it's just not a good time. Like the Pasik says, I can tell him, Sima dimasi benoidcha. Put my tears in a, in a glass. Maybe when they add up, it'll flow over. It's just, it just isn't the right time. The Rabbi doesn't dance on command. The fact that you weren't answered now doesn't mean you won't be answered, right? That's, that's for those who, who really are struggling. They're not like the, the those who Ivan may have, but they do have this question. And then there's those who are asked the question who are Tfilas Yaakov. Yaakov is Vemunas Chabaleleis. It's when things are really bad. Somebody has a child who, Rahmanah, we should never be there, who's very sick, who it's terminal, or they're, they, they have a disease that'll never go away. It's not curable. Or they have a disease, or somebody that they love, or they lost something that'll never come back. That's already, how do you answer these? He says, I davened and I davened and I davened and Hashem didn't answer me. And I think to those, those who are davened the tefillah of Yaakov, I think, and we have to say this with trepidation because we have to be very sensitive towards other people's pain. When, we, when you're standing on in a place of pain, take off your shoes by the burning fire. So let me share with you a thought for those those who had sometimes the question of Yaakov, I wasn't answered, and don't tell me it happened at another time. The person passed away, that there is no other time. And I would say that the Gemara says in that Amsei the Rebbe, Rebbe got sick and he was in terrible pain and the Rabbanon were davening from her for her. Who the Rabbanon I mean, it doesn't get bigger than that, right? And she saw that he wasn't getting better and they were still davening and she wanted his pain to go away. So she threw down something and made a big noise. They stopped davening. When they stopped davening, Rebbe passed away. And the Gemara doesn't criticize her. And the question is, why not? Maybe Rabbi is davening for you. I mean, that's like Chaim Kinevsky, you know, to the 10th power. Certainly, you know, it, it can make a difference. And I think the answer is, is that there are miracles that just don't happen. I mean, have you ever seen a, you know, a severely autistic child get better? Somebody who's, you know, in the last stages of a severe cancer. It just doesn't happen. Hashem doesn't change. You know, if somebody was born, he's a midget. Hashem doesn't change them. They don't grow. So Amsid Rabbi said, of Rebbe said, hey, it's the end. It's not curable. It's not fixable. 
And what does the Ran say over there, by the way? What should you do? Ram Ran says, in such a case, he says something fascinating. He says, you should daven that the person should die without pain, which is how we pass him, by the way. We don't believe in pulling plugs. What do we say if somebody's in pain? We don't believe in Kevorkian. We say you could daven that the person should die quickly and that the pain should go away. So what does that mean? This means there are times when we, we can't change the Matthias. Right? Hashem is not going to do Nisim Gluyim. It just goes to negative Doesn't happen. But you know what? We can change Hashem and we can change the situation. But maybe Tefillah could change who we are. What do I mean? The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah says, Tshuva, Tefillah, Tztaka, Mekarin, Gzardina, Yishaladim. It rips it up. Kra Roya, Gzardina, Tear it up. But in the Nusach of our tefillah, we say something else. It makes it pass. It doesn't say it tears it up. It makes it pass. What does that mean? There are things that can't be changed. But you know what the tefillah could do? The tefillah can help us deal with it in a way that's not so wrenching. The will pass us by. It won't destroy us. Well, we can live. It could change us. I remember years ago, I was by Yankif, and there was somebody there, and he had a child who was clearly uh, mentally um, severely disabled. Like he was babbling, and, and his eyes were, you know, there's a physical look and drooling. And, and he had another son, and he went to Yankif, and he started crying, and he told Yankif, he said, um, give my, son, my child a bracha, he should become normal, which was clearly impossible. And Rabbi Yankif looked at the fellow and he picked up his hand and he says, I give you a bracha. And he said, you should have from this child. He took the healthy child's hand and he says, You should have double and triple nachas from this child. Rabbi Yankif said, I, I can't save, I can't change the situation, but I could give you the ability to survive the situation and to be my virinus re'agzeira. It doesn't mean Hashem didn't listen to the tefillahs. It's just the tefillahs did something else. So Matthias is not changeable. But what he can do is, is he can be Bavir and Israel Xerah. So I think to the question is, why didn't Hashem answer tefillahs? There are three different answers. There are those who are Ovid Mehava who say, whatever he's doing, I know it's right. I don't understand why, but I know he knows what he's doing. There are those who are really struggling in situations that can be fixed or should have been fixed. And the answer is, maybe it's no. Maybe it wasn't the right time. Maybe Hashem doesn't. Maybe it's Sima Dimasi Benoidcha. Maybe it will come around, but just not exact timing that you want. Maybe he is listening. So he is listening then. And for those who are in situations that they're irremediable, what's the answer then? The answer is, Avirinus Ragzera. The Tfilis will make that the Rabbanishal will help you, that you can survive. The situation won't change, but you will change. That's how I would answer these, uh, that's, I wouldn't say I answer, as I for my Nerebis to answer the, these questions, among other answers as well. Before we go to our riddles of the week, I want to ask our Eilam for help, the Bnei Yeshiva. We Baruch Hashem, we have around 30,000 downloads a week, which is wonderful. But here's the problem. We've sort of been at that number, 25, 30,000, like two years already. And we have a clow. In Avodas Hashem, if you're not going up, if you're not growing, you're going backwards. So my question is, what can we do here in the Yeshiva Shalmaila that you would say, you know, been here, the next, you know, if you have a grade school, the next thing is you start a high school, you have a high school, you start a base medrash, you have a base medrash, you have a shekloli, always looking to grow. How can we grow the Yeshiva? 
What can we do that the tzibur would appreciate? You say, oh, we wish you could do X. It would do, there's a mockum for it. And as usual, if somebody gives us an idea and we implement the idea, we will reward, give the person a ticket to Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because all our steps, wherever we're walking, we're always, Reb Nachman say, wherever I walk, I'm walking to Eretz Yisrael. So we look forward to hearing if some, some of you have maybe an idea that we could implement. Now let's go to our riddle of the week. So it says, The din of HaShabbos Aveda. So this is a story, a beautiful story. It was in the days of Rabbi Yitzchak Khan Inspector, the Kovner Rav, he was the God Lador in Psak, that an, a, a woman went to a, a Yerid, like, a, you know, a fear, you know, where they used to do business, they used to, and she had a big amount of money to buy Shaira, and she lost the money, and she was beside herself, and they were machres on the Aveda. So one man came, he was an Araman, a bit Araman, and he said, listen to the Rav, I'm going to pass in what you want. I have the Aveda. But he said, it's an ear Sheruba Akam, it's Hareilu Shaloi. He also said that I don't want you to do Lufnei Mishur Sadin. I don't want to do it Sitkis. If there's a dinner that it's my money, I want it. And if it's not, you can give it to her. But don't tell me I should have Rachmanis and it's the right thing to do. And I should, I need the money too badly to do mitzvahs here. That was the story of Rabbi Zilchanan. So they sent the Shiloh to Rabbi Zilchanan. And Rabbi Zilchanan paskined that she, he has to give back the Vedim Ikaradin. Why? He says the whole reason that a Moitzimitzia beer, Harei Shalai, is because the Bailam is Miyayish. Right? Adam Asilamashmish Bikisa Bechalsha. Person checks his pocket, counts the way, and it's Vada Yish. But he says here, the Bailam is not the Isha, it's her husband. And he doesn't know about the money. So the fact that she's Mamashmish Bikisa Bechalsha and she was Miyayish, but he wasn't Miyayish. And since it's his money, the Shliach cannot be Miyayish for him. This was the psak, and he said, you have to give the money back. So here's the question. This was a famous story. It made its way around lit. It's a beautiful story. But here's the story, the question. If so, everything that they learned in the Mishnah in the beginning of Eilu Metzi is probably the first Mishnah you learned in your life. Eilu Metzi is shalai. Eilu chayiv lahachrez, right? Matzamois mefuzarais. What's the halacha? The Gemara says, Adam mashmish v'kisa b'chalsha. And everybody holds, I baza yish midas have yish. So you're allowed to keep. Question is, how could the Mishnah say have a yish? In many cases, it's a woman who's lost something. I mean, half of people who lose things are women. Who's the owner? The Bailam. The Bailam isn't mashmish b'kisa b'chalsha according to, uh, or it could be the child. It could be Nashim, Yeladim, etc., etc. They're going to buy and they're doing it for their parents, for their husbands, etc. And the Mishnah doesn't say you have to see, check who it is. The Mishnah is a claw. Why? Because if the Shliachs of the Mashmish, they could seemingly be Miyayish for the Bala Kesef. If Rabbi Yitzchak Khanan's Chiddush is you can't, how could the Mishnah say, Maybe it was a woman or a child who lost it. That is our riddle number one. Riddle number two. The, 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 the mission says in Hyrius, Ish kaidem Aveda. If you could be Meshiv and Ish's Aveda or an Ish's Aveda, you give it to the Ish. So here's the question. The Tesefta and Shokhanarach Paskins, Avedas Aviv, Avedas Imai, Avedas Aviv Kaidemis. His father comes first. Why? Because his mother's mechayiv to be mechab the father. So therefore, he's mechayiv to do it for him first. Niskarshu. But if they got with divorce, shneim shavim. Because there's a mitzvah of kibedav. There's a mitzvah of kibedaim. She doesn't have to honor the fa- the husband anymore. So you could give it to her. So ain't achinami. Midin kibedav aim. They're both equal. 
but al din of ish kaidim leisha. So they're both equal. Not him, not her. They're both kat hashavas aveda. Dal mihocha the din of sorry of kibadav. What are you left with? An ish and an isha, his mother and his father. And the halach is ish kaidim leisha bashavas aveda. So ibazai why niskar shushneim shavim? Those are our two riddles of the week. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, like that's the country code, 33011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's uh, 02-372-0304. Let's go to our fabulous guests. Joining us from Baltimore is Rabbi Moshe Hauer. He's the executive vice president of the OU for 26 years of Rav in Baltimore. A Talmud of Nair Yisrael. Welcome, Rabbi Hauer. Good morning. Thank you. So the OU has an initiative to support, enhance, help us work on tefillah before the Yom Nairayim. Can you tell us a little bit about it, what its goal is, and how you're going about it? The goal is to provide a framework and support for people to be able to work on tefillah, to enhance their experience of, of tefillah. The framework is provided by working together, Baruch Hashem. Many people, many people, many kehillah communities are, are taking the opportunity to put in extra effort to be able to work on their tefillah. And we on a national level have gathered together a whole number of very impactful teachers of Tyra who are focusing on this as well and sharing ongoing teachings to work to enhance tefillah and it's there as a resource for the community to be able to take advantage of. So how are you going about it? If we want to join, what would we do? So the, the program is called Behimatso and uh, it's, it's available. One can go to the, to the OU, OU Torah or OU.org uh, website and um, there one could sign up. There's also an OU Torah podcast the program is called Bimoto, and it is available on the OU's uh, web platforms, uh, websites, uh, podcasts, etc. And uh, it it brings this Bezos Hashem con- continuous flow of shiurim from outstanding teachers of Torah, teachers of men, teachers of women, and uh, and uh, people who have a substantive engagement with the topic and have so much to share. And who are? Can you share with us who some of the teachers will be? Some of the teachers, uh, Rabbi Arnold Piansky is teaching on the program, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg is teaching on the program, Rabbi David Aaron is teaching on the program, Rabbi Larry Rothwax is teaching on the program, uh, Rabbi Shmuel Silber, uh, Rabbi Tinslovi Jungreis is, 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 uh, is teaching on the program, uh, Sivan Rav Meir is teaching on the program, um, excuse me, that's, that's the list which is on the top of my head. Okay. Many others. That's, that's many good. others who are yeah. involved. Yeah. It's like, it's like trying to give over all the museum of Treyasar. One shot. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi Howard, could you tell us, you were around for 26 years. This is, you're heading this initiative. Share one idea, two ideas about Tefillah that our listeners could, could, could learn from you. 
Okay. I, I want to, if I may, let's take a step back before we get to specific ideas. I think tefillah is something that uh, that everyone, everyone wants to work to improve. We spend a lot of time working. We spend a lot of time davening. Everybody uh, who tries to, to fulfill the obligation to daven every day, we spend meaningful time davening. And it's hard to be focused on tefillah. It's hard to be able to use the time properly. It's not a new problem. It's not a unique problem. You see literally generations uh, who spoke about the challenge of being able to, to daven who meaningfully, it? significantly. I mean, who was it who said, if you want to take a trip around the world, just start davening? I don't know who said it, but they say it with the pasuk of Elav Arecha, Elav Asusim, Nachnu B'Shem Hashem. Some people have to travel by wagon. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Okay, so you talk about hard to focus. So, 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 so it, it's it's hard to focus. It, 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 it's hard to generate the sense of Aimei B'Shnei Hashem, which, as we know, is fundamental to the Tefillah experience. We call it the Amida. Some say because we're supposed to stand during Shmanasre. But the the notion of Amida, where the Gemara and Brachas brings the term Amida for Tefillah, is Avram Aidenu Aimei Bishnei Hashem. And we all know that's one of the first stiklach in the in Rechaim Briskers Chidushim on the Rambam is that the fundamental kavana for Tefillah is not necessarily just the meaning of the words, but the most fundamental recognition consciousness, awareness that the person standing in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as it says on innumerable parachis, the awareness of standing before HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the opportunity of standing before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a very hard feeling to generate as human beings and again, and then to focus on the words. So, so, so there's a principle and I, I, I'm curious, Rav David, if you would agree with this principle. When it comes to working on tefillah and improve, improving our tefillah, I would put forth the following hypothesis, which is that everything works and nothing works. What does that mean? There are so many different ways that people can work on tefillah. They can work on understanding the words. They can work on trying to clear their minds and sort of like the the, the awareness, the meditative components, so to speak, of, of being able to focus really and be in the zone for tefillah. They can work uh, with with uh, inspiring thoughts, they can work. There are so many different pathways, like you have on, 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 on any full and plentiful swarm shelf about all the different works that are there on tefillah and avayda A person who engages in any one of these will see dividends. It, it, when a person's working on their tefillah, it will help them and their davening will be better. Their davening will not be perfect. Their davening will be better. Their davening will be enhanced by working on it. However, nothing works. What does that mean? If I work on tefillah from from Shalom until uh, until uh, Yom Kippur, and then you come to me a week after Sukkot, and you say, okay, so how's your davening? It, it may be right back to where it was before. It will likely be right back to where it was before. Because nothing works in the sense of creating like a permanent change. Tefillah requires presence. It requires actively working on it. So as long as we're working on it, our tefillah is enhanced, no matter what the path is that we choose. When we stop working on it, the impact of what we did before fades very, very quickly. Yes, it's true. Sometimes we could put in certain things in place, certain hanhagos in place, practices in place that may provide a hedge, a framework that will help us to, to dive in better in the future. But ultimately, it's a daily avoda. It's a daily avoda for life. So w- w- in, in doing this project, we're, we're trying not just to say, 
you know, it's Elul, and it's a time when people try to work on themselves and improve in whichever in whichever way we can, and let's try and work on this on this avodah of tefila. We're not just saying it's Elul and Yamin Noirayim, and as Chazal say, Dish Rashem This is the time when Hakadosh Baruch Hu is most present and most available to people. Even even by themselves, when we got when 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 a Jew during this time, Hakadosh Baruch Hu is present present for them. I, 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 that's all there, and that's all what that which contributes to heightening the, the desire we all have to be able to work on our tefillah, but also hopefully to whet an appetite for the future, that we should continue ongoing to work with many different pathways, many different teachers of Torah who will present many different perspectives to be able to grow our experience of tefillah and make it more, more, more meaningful and more impactful. So if you give us one, one tidbit, one, one gem. Okay, so there's a notion that we have of... Being masmich geula litzvila, you know that in Shmonesrei, that Shmonesrei both of Shachris and of Marav is preceded by the bracha of Gal Yisrael. Uh, Marav, we put a couple of things in between, but fundamentally, we're supposed to go from geula to tefila. And the the question is, what's the significance of it? Why why is that the case? Much has been said. Rabbi Nuyena in in Masechus Brachos gives a couple of of very important, very important, valuable reasons. Here's here's a tidbit that perhaps can can add to the mix. What was unique about about Kriyas Yamsuf? You see, when we're Masmech Gula it is true that we're coming from the general fulfillment of the mitzvah of remembering that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, which as Rabbi Nuyena says, you know, leads us to do Havoda to serve Hakadosh Baruch Hu. But the way the Siddur was composed was such that we don't just speak about Yitzhak Mitzrayim generally, but that the last words we're saying of Geula before the davening reference specifically Shiras Hayam, Kriyas Yamsuf, the specific experience of Kriyas Yamsuf, the living of the sea and the reaction of Kal Yisrael with the Shira. And Chazal tell us that at that moment, Rasa Shifcha Layama that Kal Yisrael benefited from the ultimate vision of being able to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The simplest person there even associated with Kal Yisrael saw more than what we see as the most incredibly described vision of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is the Merkava, the first, the first parak of Sefer Yechezkel. So Kriyas Yamsuf was a moment when we saw HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Keli Anu Amru. Like that's what many Svarim say, that the idea was that they said, Zekeli, Chazal say, Mosh Rabbeinu had Aspaklarim here, he saw Hashem most clearly because he said, Zehadovar. And in Kriyas Yamsuf, we all said, Zekeli, this is our God, Zekeli, Zekeli Vanveu. So the introduction to Tefillah, the way we step into Tefillah, is by trying to take ourselves back to Kriyas Yamsuf, where we saw HaKadosh Baruch Hu in front of us. And that would feed the mindset that we're seeing HaKadosh Baruch in front of us. And that perhaps also can be a, a contributory reason Every, uh, everyone tries to understand. We have the Psuke de Zimra, which is all the Tehillites of, of David HaMelech, but it ends with saying the Shiras Hayam. That's also part of this Hakdama When we speak about HaKadosh Baruch we can speak about HaKadosh Baruch philosophically. We can think about him. We can try to daven and think of tefillah as a sort of a reflective experience where in our hashkafa we say to ourselves, you know, there's a God who runs the world. Everything is in his hands. We think about him. That's not Kriyas Yamsuf. That's not Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. That's 
Yetzer Aruvarechleshech. That's the Rabbonu Shlolem of nature. Did anybody witness Hashem create the world? Nobody did. We speak about the one who created the world. We surmise, we figure out, we have uh, maybe uh, uh, conclusions drawn from contemplation and imagination. The Rabbonu Shlolem must have created the world. But Kriyas Yamsuf is not must have. It's what we saw when we saw with our own eyes. As the famous Ramban writes in Parshas Chanan, that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the mitzvah of Shabbos, in the second set of the Aseret HaDibris, the way they're written in Parshas Chanan, it doesn't mention Masa Bereshis, it mentions Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, because at Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, we saw what we imagined about Masa Bereshis. What we believed about Masa Bereshis, we saw with our own eyes. And moving from tefillah is just like a philosophy, there is a Rabbani Shalalam, to experiencing tefillah as the Rabbani Shalalam is there right in front of us, before our very eyes, that's the shift that we have to make so that it's really an experience of Ayamid B'Shanei Hashem. If you'd like, if just to, to like what I think is a, is a beautiful, beautiful uh, tidbit to bring this out is the point of Kiddush on Leil Shabbos, where many of us get confused. What am I supposed to say? Right? You know, the, 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 those two lines for those, for those who say them both. So the, the first part of Kiddush, we say, we speak about the Rabbani Shalom in the third person. He wanted us for Shabbos, his Shabbos, he gave us. We speak about him giving us. And we say, and then we say, and we say, we shift from speaking about him to speaking speaking to him directly, because that's what happened at Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. That's the, 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 the movement from Hashem choosing Kal Yisrael and redeeming us, is that now we say, we're speaking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu directly. We move from philosophy to direct encounter. And that's what tefillah is. Tefillah is not just philosophical self-reflection, trying to make ourselves better. We're we're there to meet HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the end of this nation. Rabbi Howard, thank you very much for your, for, for your divrei very profound and moving. Thank you. Thank you. We, we, we really hope that, uh, that the, the, the framework, the platform, will, will help people who are searching to do more to enrich their tefillah and, and to make the experience more significant. Okay, maybe give the Ilo a big bracha, ksiva ksiva you should have a Ksivach Simotaiva uh, with, with, with Alhu and Zakir Sarab and Kal Yisrael should have the Ksivach Simotaiva as Hashem the year of Shalom and Shalva Bracha and growth in every way. Thank you so much for the hour. Thank you. Thank you. We have the honor of having you join us from Washington, Hagrain Rabaran Lapiansky. He's Rosh Hashiva of Greater Washington, Machab of many Sfarim, including timepieces, which I've read many times. He's a Talmud of Reb Chaim Shmulevitz, Talmud of my Rebbe Reb Nachum Pertzavit, Zechatavit He's a Talmud of also Reb Moshe Shapiro, Zechatavit Hagrain Reb Shapiro. He's the son-in-law of Rabbeinish Finkel, which means he has all the mirror royalty blood. Welcome, uh, Rabaran. Thank you. It's, uh, I remember your Tkuf and Yeshiva with uh, uh, pleasure, So and uh, it's good to be back with Altamira. So, Rabaran, the, 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 it's Dir Shu Matzah. These are the days of Elul. These are the days of Tefillah. For many people, Tefillah is uh, it's hard to get inspired to Davin. Right? This goes right. back a long way. I mean, this is not a new thing. 
Right. They say almost from the Tom Seifer, they say, he, he, I think it's in Tyrus Moshe, but I could be wrong. He writes on Kel Marufanola. He says, uh, Moshe didn't have a, a bigger filler than five words for his sister. The one who saved his life, who pulled, put him in the water, added or whatever. It's it, just five words. So he said, really, all of tefillah, you know, the 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 the, the, the brachis and the karbanis and the parshas haman and the and the, the psukim of zimra and the shman esrei and then the end you have the animamins and the, it's all to come to one moment of tefillah. One moment of Kavana. He said, Moshe was able to go straight to that moment of Kavana. So it seems struggling for Kavana Bitsila or inspiration Bitsila goes back at least to the Tom Seifer's period where he said this, right? But for us, it's, it's really, it's a big struggle. So I know Tsila was a big avoid of yours, and your Rabbi Ramay Shapiro said for years, Tyran Tsila. Tell us something about Tsila, maybe that could help us inspire us for the Amnarayim. So I think you're putting a finger on, on a real issue. We have a, a, one of the, the Rosh Kail by us is a Telzer, and he said that in the name of Abraham Steinstein of Racha, that in Europe, people were so favetic. People had so much going on, so many difficulties. It, it took one statement to get everybody crying and sobbing and involved. There was a lot of pressure. Life was full of, full of difficulties, and you were close our life is not difficult and um, everyone's got their difficulties of course and it's you know but it's, it's nothing like what it used to be and therefore filler has become a real challenge well, can I add some I, color I, Rabbi, can I yeah, add some please. color to what you're saying sure yeah. until 1940 the late 1940s there were no antibiotics I mean somebody got a bad cut they stepped on a nail and they could die the mortality right. rate in the United States for the average male was less than 50 than 100 years ago, right? right? Hunger was at the biggest enemy of the Jews in Europe, or of Cook's wife, right? Died of starvation, of malnutrition, the Adaris' daughter. And almost right. every story you read about those periods, just from it, everybody was hungry. A Gavir was right. somebody who wasn't hungry. Right. And in America today, the problem is not the, among the poor, the biggest problem is obesity. So just juxtapose right. what we, when you talk about the favetigness of, of, of just 100 years ago, what it is today. Right. And and perversely, it's not, you know, it, it's not that we feel overwhelmed gratitude and just waiting to take the sitter and, and, and say, uh, it's made it challenging. That's the nature of people, unfortunately, and that's our challenge. What I would like to think possibly is there's a different type of inspiration. And I believe, unfortunately, it's something like it's, it's a piece that's missing how many people could sit quietly, you know, in a, in, like by a brook and learn, read or learn something in Navi that inspires in a deep way? Not because I need something and I'm desperate, but because I'm very turned on by something spiritual, something deep. Um, it's something in, in schools, you know, people would read, uh, they would learn how to read the poetry books and developed a certain sense of it. Somehow today, um, we've, we've become totally deadened in terms of that type of inspiration. A lot of the tefillah is majestic. Um, and even the tefillah that's bakasha is, 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 the bigger picture of it is something about a Kaddish Baruch Hu, about a Kaddish Baruch Hu's role in the world and so on. And if we develop that, the old Musa methodology was to sit 
lost in a pusik. That's what it was. Sit in a room. Don't talk to anybody. Don't don't connect to anybody else. Connect to the pusik again and again and again. So yes, sometimes it's a pusik that's very demanding and kind of it, it can scream about the Gehenna that awaits. There could be a pusik that could be talking about punishment. But a lot of the times, the pusik speaks about a ramus hanefesh. And I believe if we can find a way to develop that, it means in our society where, we're, where connectivity is, is ubiquitous, it's, it's everything all the time is connected, you don't have that. You can't reach into your soul deeply if you are all over the place. Finding times to withdraw and to learn something, like, like every soul said, it may be today the nigg is not in vogue, but to sit and, to, and to, to learn something that you find moving again and again, looking for that type of inner spiritual transformation. I, I would think that that should be a deal in menstrual exercise to help us get that sense of filler. You're saying that tefillah has to come today from Raimamus, not from yes. fear. Correct, correct. And even the truth be said that even it, it's easier to evoke tefillah from fear, but it's, it, it, when we're coming to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, desperate for refuah. So, yes, that, that's, a, that's a tremendous trigger for tefillah, or person is desperate for Pinasa, that's a tremendous trigger for tefillah, but it should be moving on to the understanding that Kaddish Baruch is the source of my life, to the understanding that Kaddish Baruch is really the source of what I have. It's meant to segue from me and my need to Kaddish Baruch as, as the, the benefactor and as the Adon Kol. So that ideally should always be tefillah. It's about the Shalom. It's just much easier when we have a personal trigger that moves us to do it. So you're saying, but, and it would be true to say, Rabbi, that the, the tefillah that comes from Raimamas, as you say, appreciation, understanding, harmony of the Bria, um, right. connection of a, a person's need or, or, or of, 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 of to transcend, you know, the pettiness of life, the smallness of life, connect to right. the eternity of his neshama. In a certain way, it's a much higher tefillah because a tefillah out of fear, a tefillah of G'dayla Hasara's Tabas. I mean, at the right. end of the day, if somebody's coming at you with a gun, yes, you're going to cower, but that doesn't mean you're really cowering, whereas on the other hand, you, you know, when you're doing it for, for a higher reason, means there is no force doing it. It's like if you're doing it mehava, not meyeri. You're doing it because of influence rather than power. Correct, correct. And it's, it's something like the difference. Let's give an example. A lot of times a person meets a friend because like, he needed something. I needed a helping hand for something. Some help me do something uh, um, so if it stops at that, then it's a chesed project. So I needed something to help me schlep boxes. It's helped me schlep stuff. He spent the day helping me. I'm grateful, and it's great. But a lot of times when the person is helping me, I begin to get a sense what, that this person is a wonderful human being. This is a person that I appreciate, I like, and it goes beyond the particular moment of need. That, sh- that should be the tachlis of tefillah. So how do we how do we reach the the, the kaya where it's not because of yira but it's more because of tugdash adai and I'll call masecha ki masecha but to shasta nigdash how do we how do we get there give us some ideas so so I, I, I there's no way to circumvent Rabbi Stroll's point there's nothing I, I, I can't speak for everybody but the the idea of spending quality time doesn't have to be a lot but time set aside where it's you a pusik, a mimer, something where you can just mull over something 
and and allow it to touch your inner self. Find find that like you, you, you know. The Tzil of Yom Neirayim is, is a perfect example. The Tzil of Yom Neirayim is, is majestic. And if a person were to take a particular piece and sit down quietly sometime before Yom Tiv, with no bells around, or, you know, just withdraw himself, and go and, and mull over it, just allow it to read over the words again and again, and get the sense of it, get the feel of it. And it, it's, it, it's, once a person gets the feel of it, then it's much easier to reach it as he's actually governing. We're, we're just so busy doing uh, the good things, mitzvahs and learning and so on, that we don't allow ourselves to touch our inner self. Touching inner self requires solitude. It's also to be even a base measure. It's just you withdrawing yourself, quiet, and, and sort of a letting go of, of just getting into the pasik getting into the mimer, into the tefillah, and, and allowing it to, to, uh, to, to suffuse you. That's the way to do it, I guess. Well, Baron, you had the biggest rabbeim in the world on tefillah. And, and, and starting with Ramayisha, could you share with us a tire you've heard from him about tefillah? I hate to put you on the I'll, spot, I'll tell you, I would love to. Um, I, I would share, I guess, a feeling that, 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 I, that I, I would like to convey sort of my regish. Reb Moshe was a very disciplined person, and he could, um, and he, there were tkufis when he tried hard to be mechavin, the, 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 the kavanis of Arizal and so on. He didn't never said it to me, but you could see, you know, it, was, it was clear there were, there were tkufis when I think he made a big effort to do that, and um, possibly always he did. I, I, know, I, I don't know, but I, I, I did feel there were certain that he felt a special need for where he really put himself into it. But even though he was an extraordinarily cerebral person, there was always a deep nekuda of um, regish underneath it. And he could, he didn't like when people reached for low-hanging fruits of sentimentality of like a, a cheap, you know, dig at that, that really set him off. But, but if if the deepest bite in this person would say something, I'll, I'll share a story that he that he said once. He said he was sitting with a group of old Slabatka Talmidim. His father himself was a Slabatka Talmud. He himself had learned to Hebron, and he felt very close to that to that base medrash in many ways. And he was sitting with by Rabbi Chadish's house with with I think Rabbi Yani was there and others, and they were sitting and singing. And he was sitting very close to the mayor and. They were singing, I don't know, the, the, the Nignit, the old Sabbatka Nignit, the Nezol, I'm Kravi Haluka. I don't know, no idea what the thing is like. And in middle, Reb Meir turned to Rebbe Mayani and he said, Yet heard, you hear? The Nezol, I'm Kravi. The Kvali Sol is close to Kreshvarhu. And they both had tears in their eyes. And Reb Moses said, and I realized that they were, they had a language between them that I had no idea of what it was. In other words, what does it mean? So, so what? I mean, we go, yeah, Kaiser Kosakash Baruch. I mean, it's, but the way they said it meant they were living through something that Moshe said, and he said it in a tone of humility. I realized that they're talking a language higher beyond me. So, Moshe was a fascinating study of somebody who was extraordinarily, um, you know, cerebral in many ways, in, in, in language and and kavanis uh, and everything. But down deep, he 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 had a whole part of himself that lived in that world of regish.
um, I would say Reb Nachum was in learning was extraordinarily deep and and it was cold learning. When he davened, there was a simplicity to it and and a simple regish. He never missed davening. Came on time always. Sat davening from a sitter, and there was a simple a simple regish and initness of it. Uh, a mamish pastas that was extraordinary. It it, it sort of complemented. It, it, it was like a tinek bayomo davening to Hakadosh Baruch Hu without its ands and buts. <laughs> you know, these were very very big people. I want to share a story. I think it's worth saying over. I was in, in Prague with Ramesha Shapiro. Um, he had an island that used to go for a Maral's yard. So I don't know what the occasion was. And so I went there and there were, I don't know, 50 told me them. And his rabbi said, it was before, the next day was Erev Rosh Chodesh. And he, he had, he was very sick already. It was the worst year of his life. And his rabbi didn't want him to fast. So she asked if I would sit. There was a lot of tables, and she said she wants me to sit next to him to see by the students if I could convince him not to fast by tomorrow. Right. So I sat next to him, and we, you know, we, we schmoozed. And then I said, you know, I started talking about not fasting. I've Kippa, Chayla, with Kiva Ega, and this and that. And he looked at me, and he said, I'll say it in, the, in English. He said, for 40 years, I didn't miss an Arab or Shaddish Tefillah. You know, the Arab Yom Kippur that they do everything. Right. Or fasting, he said, and I'm not about to change. Okay, he said, I'm not changing it, period. But he was a chaylum sukkin already, you know, he said, I did it for 40 right. years. I fasted every Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur cotton, I davened Yom Kippur cotton. I'm not, I'm not changing now. It was like with such a right. tekifah, like it was obviously extremely important to him, you know. Right, right, yes. Uh, that, that was a certain, you know, certain extraordinary gvura with not to let go and so on. Yeah, that's true. But but behind behind that there was a, a very deep and simple regish that 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 he 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 appreciated the, the depth and the beauty of it and and uh, that's the part that unfortunately I think we're missing a lot. Robert, let me tell you an akuda tool that I personally connect with, and and I want to hear you know what you think of it. I think that, like you said, Americans today, Baruch Hashem, the whole world, you know, the, the arc of poverty and disease has certainly you know gone to the right, right? right? So, but 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 I'm very aware of that. This may be the last day of my life. You know, it's we're, we're all here for a, 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 a short time, right? And I think that every person has in himself a chuka to fulfill what they were, their shlichas, what they were supposed to be brought here for. Right. Like to, to fulfill their potential. Ramayushi used to speak about that a lot, right? right? And to me, a lot of my tefillah is, I, I, how do I connect, Ramayushi, how do we connect to make sure that my shlichas is correct, that I'm being mamal in my potential, that I'm making correct decisions, that I'm fulfilling what I'm supposed to do, that my obligations, that when that when the, the, the final Yom Kippur comes, right, and they put us all in shrouds, we'll be able to say, you know, shlichasi. to me, that's a, a point of connection rather than is so much like give me food. But you know, it's it's ironic that it's a point of connection that comes later in life when a person is young and robust and and you know uh, nipping at the bit, as they say. The person doesn't think that way. It's when a person you know moves on and he realizes there's a gavul and there's a limit. It, it's part of the um, our human condition that when until we don't see it, you know, until we don't see the shadows, it's hard for most people to have that sense. It's, um, you know, it's built into us that when things are jolly and good, we, we, we forget. So whatever it is, it requires setting aside time 
to bring it to mind. It's not natural. We we tend to think of ourselves as living forever, and people, that's why people will, will resist moving on. The um, we're built to survive and to, to believe we'll, we'll survive, and and so on. So setting aside time when a person contemplates and molds over these things is the only way to bring about that type of machshava. Do you find, Ravaran, that the davening doesn't really have like fill in the blanks over here? Like, shouldn't there be a place in the avenue where we say, okay, everybody, pull out your piece of paper, share with HaKadosh Baruch Hu your thoughts, your tefillahs, where, like, when you proposed for your wife, you didn't use the Rav Mom's proposal language. Right. Shouldn't tefillah have in it, like, okay, whoever you are, take out your paper, and here's, now it's the time for you to say your needs instead of saying, Governor Melech, you know, he, he lived a long time ago. Like, what are you? What are you, you know, Yassel, Zalman, Mendel, like, Talk to Hashem. Now's an opportunity. So, I would I would say Adarabah. And let's give an example. Imagine a person, I don't know, a person is collecting money from Maishit. So, let's say this Maishit, I know, puts out Sfar. So, he goes to somebody who has no interest in putting out Sfar and tries to sell it. It's not going to work. And and he's rude for doing it. You're wasting my time. I don't, you know, that's not where I want to give my Tzvaka but let's say this person, this the person that he's that this person likes supporting in the light, and I explain to him how so many in the light work and this is most in the home putting out the shenim or whatever it is, and this is a the coveted way to be my finest hunting in the light. It'll work. In other words, whenever I come with a bakasha, it's a chutzpah if I present it in my terms and how you talk me not giving for out fur. Well, I'm the one who's giving. What I need to do is I need to present it in the ways that are important to you. I mean, I have my list of things I like and want and need, or I think I need. That's great. I'm talking about Baruch So tefillah is really a way of saying, you want me to understand. Give me the wisdom needed to understand. It's, it's the tefillah the, the is meant to shape our list. Is there a tefillah fashiris? You're going to look high and low. It's going to be difficult to find one. You, there's a there's a tefillah for bracha. There's a tefillah for fratzloch and meisiyodav. And we want Mashiach. What does it mean we want Mashiach? There's a tefillah for kibbutz nidachim. So that means we have to think of how many people are nidach. It's a kaddish baruch Hu's list is the, is a list of things a person should want and should need and want. By learning how to um, shape our list to fit HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it brings us closer to, to Ratzon Hashem. You're saying the tzillas are all there. We have to the put the... are there, but we you need have to, to find ourselves... In that tzillah, right. we, we have to find where we fit into that particular nusach Exactly, exactly. What, exactly. We, to, to ask for something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't have it set up as... So we have to be misamic. And where, when we have tzillas from the... From the where does that belong? There is, you know, when we have a problems with, with, with all, all the issues we have, and we need to understand where it, where it branches out from its filler. So what it's doing is it's shaping, in a sense, our world to fit the world of terror. Someone told me a fascinating story. There was a boy in Eishatora who came from Japan. So he knew Japanese fluently, and one day he was by the Kaisal, and he saw a group of Japanese tourists there, and they left notes in the castle. And he was very, very curious about the, um, what they wrote. So he picked the one they left. He took out one of the notes, and it said in it, please make Japan number one. 
So it's it, that might be the person's request, and maybe it fits from Amalaf filler that the Nachrim, whatever they ask for, you give to them. But Tachlis, is is that is that a request? Is that something that it, it's, it's about us? It's nothing to do about the Rishon. Does the Rishon want Japan to be number one? In other words, it, presenting a list and trying to fit in filler forces us to focus and ask: Is this something that? Is, is wanted for me. I'm, I'm not here to realize my simple desires. I'm here to realize, like you said before, what my task it is. It's going to fit in somewhere. So thinking about finding the closest place in davening and trying to see it through the lens of the tefillah would go a long way in helping us. Sarah Baron, Bederich Marshall, somebody's going for a bank loan. So if yeah. you go to a, even a big bank, you say, look, I need a mortgage on a house. If they don't do house mortgages, the person could make millions of dollars a year. They just don't have the shvill. They don't have the forms set up to give you a, a, a house, a, a mortgage. You go to Goldman Sachs, they just can't give you a house mortgage, no matter who you are. Right. right? It's not what they right. do. What do they do? They do big corporate mergers and acquisitions. They issue billions of dollars of loans to companies. Now, you could be a company that issues the most house mortgages in the United States. You go to them, you need an M&A loan. They say, we don't do M&A loans. So, right. and, and, and even in the loan, they're like, you know, there are certain requirements. Like, it's much harder to get a loan if you're self-employed. It's much more laborious, much easier if you can show a W-2. But they just have sets of forms, and this is, these are the shillings, these are the roads, how we do business. It's, the world is just too big for us to look at you as an individual and say, oh, do you or don't you? Are you worthy of a loan? There's, there's pre-organized routes and routes, and that's how society works. You're saying it works with Kaviyachal, too. And Tzvila, there are and, pre-organized, and, 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 there are Shvila and Tzvila that Chazal created. Correct. And it's much more, I, I would like to take your muscles up by a bank, it's simply because you can't be everything. So, 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 you know, everyone's got the area where they focus and specialize. It's because this is what he wants. The reason you can't get a, a house loan in Goldman is, is because they're not cut out for it. You know, you need to, to, to create it's because he doesn't want X, Y, or Z. So, so whatever it is, whatever allows for means this is right and appropriate. And therefore, um, you 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 ha- you 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 have a markham filler. So the shvilim and kashrakeid is not just because it's for sake of efficiency. It's because be'etzim. These are the right things to ask for, and these things are not right to ask for. So so it filler makes us into in, it, it molds us into having the ritzainus. You know, the tzafei ritzain chakritzainai. We make our rutz and kashbaru's and Then he he's he's willing to give. About uh, maybe I'll make another comment about Baruch Haleinu. I, I, I always want to. One of the ways in which it, an example of how Tefillah shapes our understandings and Ashkafas. It's an example. A lot of times I, I learn with Talmidim. I, I speak Talmidim. If we, everyone needs Parnassah. Everybody needs Parnassah. So if we were the ones that would make the Lushen Hatfilah, we out we would say something along the lines of Yerushalayim. Please let us win the lottery ticket, the, the one billion dollar jackpot, a uh, cash option, please. That would probably be the nusach, more or less, that we would come up with. It's not the nusach that Chazal gave us. The Chazal didn't give us a barakatshpoch, giving us a shefa. Baruch Aleinu, Komunis Vasa the same bracha. The real, the real goal of Parnassa is a bracha b'maiz yudayim. Getting a dumped money is a klola. And that, you know, the statistics show that. Getting that a person do things and see bracha b'maisi yadav is where the shefa comes from. 
so so Chazal gave us a nusach that's meant to shape. So when a person asks himself, what do I want? I want bracha b'maisi yadai. I want that, that the things I do, HaKadosh Baruch Hu should be mevarach. People want to accomplish. The, 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 um, the saddest people are the people who have tremendous amount of wealth but have never done anything to earn it. They, they yashin it. And, and they, they themselves are, are done, have done nothing. And a person feels he, if a person feels that he hasn't accomplished, then then he's a real neb. So Chazal, the Chazal gave us a tzura of bakasha. The fact that I'm asking Kadosh Baruch Hu is not something that I did my thing. I, I would like that Kadosh Baruch Hu to look at my tefillah and say the tefillah is appropriate. It's rotten. There are times when people ask you for something. And it evokes very positive feelings. And sometimes a person has something and it irritates you. I'm standing in front of Kodesh Baruch Hu. I haven't, you know, I've, 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 I have a very mixed bag of, of what I've done right and wrong. And I come with a list of demands, even by cautious. But would say, I, I would like that I presented it in a way that is, that you find appropriate. That, that I ask for the appropriate things in the appropriate way and, and, and so on. Those, that, those are things that, are very, very, this is the underpinning of tefillah. It's the relationship of Gadish Baruch Hu is in this back and forth. And understanding from Chazal, how they, from the Nusra tefillah, what is it that they want? That, that I come off as somebody who reached out to Gadish Baruch Hu in the way he wants us to reach out, and in a way that's appropriate, and it shows that I'm a person who appreciates, understands, and grateful, and wants the things that he wants. That's, that's tefillah. So um, being able to, to, to shape our own thought, feelings, and values through tefillah is the ultimate tachas of tefillah. So you're saying it's really before Yom Tif, we really have to avoid and think of, set some time yes. aside. What, what, yes. what, do you, what do you believe? I know Rafutni used to talk about toiv ma'at, you know, they say toiv ma'at b'kavana b'har b'shalai b'kavana. He, he tongue-in-cheek would say, toiv ma'at shalai b'kavana b'har b'shalai b'kavana. What do you think yes. about um, in our personal davening if somebody says, look, I, I, I want to have kavana samilam. The Sid is just Look, a, a machzer is really sick. You know, I, I can't say all of it because I want to be mekayim taiv ma'achalei b'kavana. What can he or can he do? So there's always the the area like you, you just said. A lot of times a person is fooling himself. He, he he's going to say less, but it's not going to be a kavana either. So he'll find a short davening and still not daven. So you have to be very careful. People have a tendency to fool themselves. But the most the piyutim, the long piyutim. So. If a person honestly spends his time saying, but he but he he, he says it slower and he much less comes out, that's that's appropriate. That's that's the halacha. One has to be wary because sometimes a person ends up doing everything less. And so so for the muscle, if a person goes to slichas and he's, instead of saying an hour slichas, he says ten minutes of slichas, and and it's not. Tremendous kavana, and the other time, the, the other fifty minutes he spends doing something else. Then it's you know, and the person has the the worst of both worlds. But if a person is spending the same time at the davening or studying kippah, and he's just going at a pace that he can feel, um, then then it's, that's most appropriate. Um, you know, to to say the piyutim, there's no chiyuvim in the piyutim. There are very few, if any, that there there's a chiyuv to say vidui ten times that yoyitzu with hashamnu. You don't have to, but learning how to say slowly, methodically, with kavana is something that um, definitely is the right thing. You also, so one caveat is 
to make sure you're not fooling yourself. Two, and to make sure it's not terribly public. The second Yitzhahara is traveling in a, in a large format. Hence also to bring out not the best in person. But if a person is sitting quietly saying his things and he manages to say less and he, and he, and he has to skip Piyutim and things like that, but the Piyutim he says, he, he, he says slowly, he, he, he articulates every word, he's looking and understanding what it says and so on. And certainly that's the halacha. The Baron, it's a great COVID. Maybe Ben Shailam with a, a good Kibbench jar. That's the same. We should, you know, it, it should be a good jar. And it, and it should be a jar where we find this, the A general tam in, in everything you describe, and especially it's filler. It's, it's, it's so, you know, everyone feels that way. We, we've done so much. We know there's so much to be gotten from it. And that goofa, the yule erupts and it may that that the, our davening should be a davening that evokes Ratzin in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if it evokes Ratzin in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it means that it, it, it evokes in ourselves that feeling of Kesh HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They go hand in hand. If, 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 if it's not evoking in us that sense, that's not Ratzin. Ratzin is mutual. So those Hashem, we should be zayichet to a lot of uh, mutual Ratzin. We find the Tam and Filler, HaKadosh Baruch Hu find the Tam Kaviyach and our Tfilas. Amen. Thank you so much. Okay, Dr. Good to be Joining us from Florida is Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg. He's the Rav of the Boca Raton Synagogue, maybe the largest from a show in America. Also now started the Yeshiva, the Yeshiva of South Florida. He also has a podcast. He speaks all over America. He writes. He's just a tremendous Marabitz Taira, probably the pride of YU today. Welcome, Rabbi Goldberg. Thank you so much. So let's talk about tefillah. Tell us something inspirational. I mean, one of the things that we struggle with with tefillah is that, you know, it's it's, it's mostly in, 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 in a difficult Hebrew, certainly the Yom Narayim, right? It's like, it's like trying to read Shakespearean English. Imagine how the day, imagine, and this, it's so voluminous. Like, you know, the Chazan always seems to be like running way ahead, you know, even if it's a long davening. So how do we get inspired for a davening where the words are almost a foreign language, where the speed is at a speed where we can't actually absorb it? Give us some practical advice. I think the first thing is that we have to start waiting to be rescued or to pass the responsibility to others. Many who are frustrated in davening, if only I had this chazan, if only I had this rav, if only I had had this rebbe, if only my parents. And I think it begins with a chayis. It begins by saying, I'm sick and tired of that experience or wasting that time. If I'm going to put in all this time, then I want to get something out of it. I want to be in a meaningful conversation. I want to know before whom I stand and whom I'm having a conversation with, and I want it to be meaningful. So if we're not going to take a chayis that in the end of the day, a person could be in the worst minion with the worst balthiel, with the worst speed, with the worst sitter, with the worst everything, and, and be transformed and elevated. And a person could be in the greatest, most perfect environment and get nothing out of it. I think it begins and ends with our sense of an achrayas, that we, we're ready. We're ready. We want to take responsibility. People need to take responsibility for their physical health and wellness. We need to take responsibility for our ruchnis, for our spiritual health and wellness. And when we are ready, then there are many things that we can do to improve. It doesn't happen overnight. Just like in health and wellness, it doesn't happen overnight because you decide to get in shape doesn't mean you can run a marathon or you're going to lose all that weight. Or because you want to learn a new language or you want to advance in your career doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight. But it begins with a sense of achrayas. And then we can talk about what are some steps, some ideas, some creative solutions to be able to make some progress to feel different in that relationship. But I'd go a step further back. The first level of achrayas is not even about the sitter. You're right. It's, you know, so, so many hours of our day are put in to, over the course of a lifetime. Now I'm afraid to say a number, so I'm not going to say a percent or a number. But whatever amount of our life is dedicated to tefillah, we don't even understand we don't know what we're doing. We're not getting anything out of it. We're not mindful or present while we're doing it. 
then, then how much of our life have we spent? But, but the answer is not only to know the words of the sitter, it's not only to comprehend the tzila, it's to have a relationship with the person that we're speaking to, which I think is really the foundation of fixing the challenges in tzila, is emunah, bitachon, tzvekos. So many people have no relationship with Hashem. They, they don't know God. They don't feel His presence. They don't feel His love. They don't feel His support. They don't feel His guiding hand. They don't feel responsible or accountable to Him. They don't feel bound by Him. He's, he's not a presence in their life. And if a person is not engaged in a conversation with Hashem, then it's going to be very hard to find Tzila meaningful. I like to say, if you never talk to God outside of Shul, it's going to be really hard to talk to God inside of Shul. If you never talk to Him without a sitter, it's going to be really hard to talk to Him with the sitter. The Shul and the sitter are, are put in place to make sure that we talk to Him even when we don't feel like it, to make sure that we're consistent. But they are not the most authentic form of Tzila. The most authentic form of tzila is what we do outside the sitter and outside the shuls. When we talk to Hashem, tzicha, it's a conversation. It's, it's He's in front of us. So if we don't know who He is and we're not in a relationship with Him and we're never in conversation, we're never hearing Him speak to us, it's going to be very, very hard to connect to Him through tzila and through, through minion through the sitter. So when it's ill, what can we do to become more meaningfully connected? So if we're ready to take a Christ, first of all, to work on that Emunah Bitachon, to get to know him. Moshe Weinberger loves to tell the story about the poetry contest where all these people had entered, these professionals, they prepared what they were going to read. At the last minute, this older man comes and, and submits his hat, which says, I want to read Psalm 23. And everybody reads, the professionals who trained and had coaches, this old man last minute reads. He comes in, I'm, I'm saying this very quickly and not as dramatically as it should, and he wins the contest, and at the end, he's asked, how could it be the person who read the same Psalm 23, Chav Gimel, says, you know, I practiced, I had a coach, and I came and I performed, and yet you won. You hadn't even you entered the uh, contest till the last minute. How'd you win? Because he said, Psalm 23, he said, you, you recited a poem about a shepherd. I know the shepherd. I have a relationship with the shepherd. So I think the first thing we could do is come to know the shepherd, be involved in that, in that relationship. That's number one. Number two, his brothers are just sicha, conversation with Hashem. Talk to him. Talk to him in the car. Talk to him in the kitchen. Talk to him at the gym. Talk to him at work. You're walking into a difficult meeting. You're walking into an operating room, a boardroom. You're walking into uh, whatever activity, whatever goal you set. You have to talk to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be in constant conversation. That's the thing with the bells that ever said. That's the pshat. How could you get anything else done? We have other responsibilities. You can't dive into Hashem all day long. What does the mean? Chazal was saying, Halavai, that everything I'm doing all day long is a conversation with Hashem. It's a conversation with Hashem. Whatever endeavor, whatever activity, whatever goal, whatever ambition, I ask Him for help. Afterwards, I thank Him. It doesn't work out. I protest. I object. I visit someone in the hospital who's sick. In conversation, that our whole life is framed around a conversation with Hashem. If we know the shepherd and we're in conversation with Hashem outside the sitter, we'll find Him in the sitter as well. Number two, I think, we have to understand the words. We think of the sitter as a sitter. You know, we've got... We've got but a medrash and library filled with farm. We've got shiurim. We've got perushim. But we forget that the sitter is a safer. And it too can be studied and learned. And it too can be analyzed. And it too is something that we should be engaged in. Everyone wants to Messiah Masechtas, Messiah Shas, Dafyomi, all kinds of learning initiatives and goals and schedules. The sitter is also safer. Take it seriously as a safer. Invest in understanding it. Probably more than any other time, we have farm, countless farm in every language on, on the sitter. So take the time to go through and, and find a phrase, a clause, something that jumps out, something we've been saying all these years, never understood, find meaning in it, capture it. Several years ago, I started in our school for myself. Really, it was for myself, but I, I hope others have benefited. Something called Sitter Snippets, six minutes every day. I started at Moda Ani, and now we're in the Amida, and we've done uh, almost 400 Sitter Snippets, six minutes of a day. And it's just, I go through all these forum, and on each sentence we go through, I try to see not highfalutin, complicated, gematria, 
you know, all kinds of lambdas. Just what, what's a taich? What a different understanding, explanation. Here is a, here's something that you could be mindful of when saying these words. Here's how it could be transformed. So I'm not trying to promote my citizenship, but whatever you want to do to take on, to learn, don't daven the same way when you're 80 as when you were eight years old. You have people who are davening the same way at an advanced age. Their level of understanding, their pace, their meaning they're getting from it is the same way at an advanced age as when they were a child. That's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. We have to grow. We have to advance. We have to progress. You know, lahavda, lahavda. People don't read the newspaper the same way when they were 12 years old and, and, and when they're 25 and when they're 80. So lahavda, why should the sitter? We read it the same way. So say to learn it, study it, understand it, get something out of it. And then one last suggestion I'll say, the Gemara already tells us that the tefillah has to be tachanunim. It can't be keva. It shouldn't be fixed. We shouldn't just see it as a template, a script. I say it, I recite it, I'm done with it. It's a framework that I'm supposed to put into it my own personal bakasha, my own personal conversation. Niamida, each of the brachas, whatever is shaykh, whatever is relevant to that bracha, put in. If it doesn't fit into any bracha, insert it in Shema Koleinu. Chazal gave us this, this template. I love to give the mashal of, you know, on... on, on on Mother's Day, Father's Day, anniversary, birthday. So if you scribbled on the back of a napkin to your wife on anniversary, happy anniversary, you're the greatest thing in my life. So in the hand of the napkin, she'll say, I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate the thoughts. You couldn't buy a card. On the other hand, you go and buy a card, and all you do is you put the card in an envelope, you seal it, you hand it to her. She said, you had no personal thoughts. You had nothing to add to it. You just handed me a blank card. So LMI, we buy the card. shows that we're working off of that. And then you underline, you add your own personal touch, and you, and you give this combination so again, I think as a muscle, the same thing, the sitter is the card. Much better. Of course, much better than American Greetings, Hallmark, whoever else composes a silly card. They, they gave us the sitter, this universal, timeless template of what we can talk to Hashem about. But we're not supposed to just deliver a card without anything personal in it. Now, make a tachanun, not keva. Put in, what's happened every day of our life, we're different. So there's something new to talk about. Something new to say thank you for, to protest, to ask for help with. There's always something new. And if we come to it with the attitude that we're going to not just recite some script, not discharge some obligation, not handing some, some card with a script, a template, but we're going to fill in and make it personal, I think it brings a totally different attitude to you. Beautiful. Rabbi, from I was asked by somebody, he said, how could I daven on the Yom Narayim, daven Tashem, when I am just so mad at Hashem? My answer to that is, wow, that's fantastic. Channel that into Tzilu. It's amazing. I once, I once officiated the Levaya of a woman that I'd never met. I knew her children. She was a Holocaust survivor. So when I was meeting with the family, preparing the Hespid, as I always do, I asked a lot of questions, and one of which was, what was her relationship with Hashem after the war? She went through the Holocaust. She lost so much. She was a survivor. We can't begin to comprehend what, what, what that tragedy means. Was she spiritual? Was she observed? What was her relationship with Hashem? So her son-in-law said to me something profound that changed my life. He said, you know, she wasn't observant particularly. But she had one of the greatest, and one of the greatest faith. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, after the Holocaust, she was so angry at God. Every day she yelled at God. And he said to me this, he said, you don't yell at someone you don't believe exists. You're not disappointed in it and you're not angry with a figment of your imagination. If you're frustrated, if you're angry, that is an incredibly profound statement of Amuna. That means I believe you're Avinu Shiva Shemayim. Because who do you have greater expectations of than your father? That you believe he should have protected you, should have taken care of you. Where were you? How did you abandon me? But those feelings, that frustration, that anger is in itself a profound expression of emunah. You're not angry at a, at a figment of imagination. You're not angry at a make-believe. You're not angry at something that's not real. You're angry at something that's... So real anger shows how real you think Hashem is. Hashem can take it. He's big. He's big. Avram Avinu challenged Hashem about stone. Moshe Rabbeinu said, show me, show me, let me understand why do bad things happen to good people. Great people have challenged Hashem 
great people. They didn't use it as a pretext to walk away from him. They used it to draw closer to him, and we have to do the same. But the fact that one is frustrated or upset, you can channel that as an expression of Amuna that I'm frustrated, I'm upset, I'm disappointed. Tati, Abba, where were you? Where are you? But now I need your embrace. Now I need a hug. Now I lean into you. I use that hurt, that pain, that distance, that anger as an expression of Amuna to channel that into my own authentic, raw, and real expression of tefillah. I saw years ago, and I, I don't know if I'm saying this over correctly, so I will check, believe me, I'll see if I can find it. But the, the Mordechai of Lechovich, one of the great Swedish Rebbes in the early 1800s, late 1700s, he was asked by one of the Chassidim, he said, uh, how come you start davening low and then you start screaming? So he says, I start with, I want to start with gratitude, but then come to Faribble, and then, but when I get angry, I start screaming. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you can imagine, you know, pre-antibiotics, a Rebbe listening to people's problems in the, in the early 1800s in Russia. Could you imagine what he heard all day? He said, I start quiet, but then I get angry and I start screaming. There's a Kreuzenberger Rebbe says, Rebbe Weiss quotes, well, the reason we cover our eyes and we say, Shema, Kabbalah Shemaim, we look around this world and we say, I'm supposed to see you, Kabbalah Shemaim, as I look at a world with so much pain. So we cover our eyes so that we can become Omachus Shemaim, believe Shalim. Then we can open our eyes again once we've been the Kabbalah Machos to cover our eyes when we look around the world sometimes and see that pain. Something's big, he can take it, he understands it, as long as it's not an excuse to walk away, but rather it is the channel that we can come close. Like you're saying, the, the opposite of love is not hate, the opposite of love is apathy. Is apathy, indifference. Yeah. What do you say to people who say, I davened and I davened and I got no response? We get a response, it's just not sometimes the one that we want. Esther Waxman, that was uh, after her son was kidnapped and captured and IDF did a raid to try to, she had, she had gone on television in, in Israel and asked everybody to light candles in his chos and that, please God, he would be released. And uh, IDF went and tried to get him. And uh, unfortunately, he was killed, tragically was killed. So she was afraid. Well, what happened? All these Israelis who never lit candles, all these Israelis who never died, now they heard a no. They're going to be turned off. She went back on TV and she said, God heard every tefillah. And he answered, it's just sometimes the answer is no. So if we dive into Hashem on condition, that the answer is always what we want, then we're not really deferring to him. Davening is an exercise in submission and surrender. It's an exercise in humility. I'm not in charge. I'm not in control. I'm not independent. I'm dependent on you. I can ask for what I want. I see the world and I can try to pursue what I think is best for me. But at the end of the day, I defer to you. I submit to you. I surrender to you. So if I think, this is the Machlick Zerash does, is what's Pshan Ian Tzila, one of the three things right. that folks are Kodesh Baruch to take a close look at us. So Ian Tzila, if you're overconfident in Tzila, why? You're overconfident in Tzila, then, then Hashem is just on your checklist. Like, I got to go to the doctor, I got to take the medicine, I got to go through the davening. But if I do that, I'm in charge, I'm in control, then I get the answer I want. So sometimes we have to understand that, that he, he always answers. It's just that the answer is not always what we want. And, and, and even though that's a painful reality in acceptance, if it's a choice between the infinite answer or our finite answer, the infinite is, is, is the better. Even though it's, it's difficult for us sometimes to accept. So it's very, very painful. We ask and we ask and we ask, and how could it be a no? But, uh, but, but we should never feel he doesn't answer. He does answer. It's just that his answer isn't always what we want. In his sailor from Rabbi Stroll, that he had a Talmud who became irreligious or semi-religious, and he was once in St. Petersburg, and he saw the Talmud and told the Talmud, he said, what happened to you? He said, you know, I, I, after I left you, I went to work, and I tried and I tried, and I davened and I davened, and I was just so unsuccessful. So I lost my Amuna. So he said, do you have any children? He says, yeah, I have a son who's in the army and a daughter who, who dances for the Kirov. It's 
the ballet in St. Petersburg. So he said, can you ask your daughter, say, look, I have an old rabbi. He was my rabbi. He always wanted to see... Uh, he always wanted to see a ballet, but he couldn't. Now he has a Talmud who dances for the for the ballet. Could you, you maybe do a private uh, dance for me? She looked at her Yisrael also, I said, look, I'll ask her. Came back, and the daughter left. She said, I'm not dancing for some old rabbi. So he came back. He said, no, what did your daughter say? She said, she doesn't want to do it. So he looked at his old Talmud. He said, you know, the Rabbi Shalom also doesn't always dance on command. He's like developed with an Rabbi Yisrael. Exactly. God doesn't always answer. So leave us with something inspiring about about Philo. Like, tell us something that leave us with something. I, I think it's important for people to know that they shouldn't get disheartened when a person's struggling to break through. And I think Philo is a great barometer of where we are in life. I know myself that when I'm when I'm connected, when I'm rooted, then my davening's flowing. And if I'm struggling with my davening, then it's it's a great it's a great gauge, it's a great measure for us to see how we're doing in our Amuna and our Yerushkat and our But a person shouldn't become discouraged or disheartened. You go back to Chazal. We have this image that this revisionist image that everybody who came before us, davening was unbelievable, and everybody's greater than us, davening comes easily to them. And it's just not true. The Gemara Brachas tells us among the things that need chizik, the, the four things that need chizik every day, she was one of them. It's always needed chizik. It always will need chizik. It's very hard. We can't see, feel, touch, smell, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It takes chizik. It takes a lot of chizik. Babasa tells us that that fall prey to, to lack of kavana every day in davening. How difficult it is. Yerushalmi has the challenge of kavana. We have countless chazal about how hard it is. So don't become disheartened. Don't think we're the only one. It is by design and by nature something very difficult. But the more that we fight and break through, the more achrayas we take, the more we get to know the shepherd, the more we have the conversation, the more we introduce our own creative uh, conversation and insert into that template our own words, our own language, the more we pour out our heart, the more we take our pain and anger and turn that in itself into tefillah, then, then the closer we can become. And there's, there's nothing greater than feeling connected, than feeling this, that our lives are not random and chance, that things aren't happening by accident, it's all by design. And when we can lean in, it helps us in every way. Less anger, less envy, less arrogance. That amuna just brings us serenity and a calm. That, that three times a day through tefillah, we can we can reconvene and we can reconnect and we can uh, recalibrate our compass of what matters, what's important, of what our priorities should be. It's worth it. It's worth fighting through. It's worth breaking through. And it's inside all of us, each and every one of us, to be able to achieve it. And when we do, it's something that we'll we'll never want to stop for the rest of our lives. Rabbi Ephraim, thank you very much. A good Thank you. Thank you for having wonderful to talk to you. Joining us from New York is Rabbi Shai Shechter. He's uh, the son of the great Rashiva Rabbi Tzegolchanan, Herschel Shechter. Um, he's the Rav of Young Israel of Woodmere, the Rav of Kem Simcha. Welcome, Rabbi Shai. Hi, Rabbi David. It's such a pleasure to be together. Thank so, you. Rabbi Shai, tefillah. Talk to us about tefillah. You have people, they come to show, and they leave it just uninspired. Like, why is that, and how can it be fixed? So it's an interesting question you bring up. I find almost it's tragic and unfortunate that you can have so many people who come to shul every single day, three times a day. They show up on time. They're there early. They stay till the end. And I just almost feel like they can go years and years without ever feeling what it means to have an experience of what it is to have a Buddha Shebelev. Like, what does it actually mean to connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu when one davens? I'm reminded when I look around, it's almost like the Navi Yeshaya says, It's like we're there and we're showing up and we're talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and, and our lips are there and everything else, but we're, we're just in a totally different universe and we're not 
connecting through this experience. And that's why I just feel it's an opportunity for us always, like the Gemara says, Dalad Varm Tzvichim Chizik Tamit, and one of them is obviously Tzvichah. And uh, it's always something that requires our attention and something that we should always give focus to, to, uh, to think about and to just consider for ourselves. So what would you tell that guy? He comes to show, his name is Mendel or Yassel or whatever, and he's seriously comes, but he can't create that Avayi Dishevelim. What does he do? What, what, give him some steps. So what I find often is that um, what's most interesting about this is that even in many communities where they have Shiurim on Tila, which I think is so commendable and so wonderful, and even very popular Shiurim, to me, uh, just on a personal level, and this is not as a negative to anyone else, but just to me personally, it never spoke to me to hear, you know, a nice word here and something, you know, in the Tila that picks up, which obviously catches our attention and it's nice, but... I really don't feel that it captures the essence of what people are struggling with. What I have found often is that we're not touching on the most fundamental and basic questions that perhaps are on the minds of people who are struggling to really connect with Tzvila. I'll give you an example. So, so many of the Bali Machshava and the classical Bali Machshava, like the Sefer Achinuch, the Maharal, the Sefer Ikrim, they're, they're all dealing with the same question. And I believe it's on the minds of so many people who come to Shul that they just they just never really spent the time to break it down and ask themselves this question and try to figure it out. So if we believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows everything we need and understands everything that goes on in the world, if that's the premise that we work with as people who are mamina about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so then the question we need to ask ourselves is, what is the point of tefillah? Like, what's going to happen when I doubt it? If I'm Zalcheh and Abrari and it's something that I deserve, so then HaKadosh Baruch Hu should give it to me anyway. If it's something that I don't deserve, so then why would I get it just because I start davening? Am I able to change the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Am I able to get something that I actually don't deserve? Is it almost like I'm tricking HaKadosh Baruch Hu? To me, I think that's a very fundamental question. And I think people really struggle with it, but never actually had the opportunity to work that through. Never did they look in any of the Sifri Machshava to figure out what is the answer to this question. And I think this needs to come before any discussion about a vart in the Siddur itself, or a nice shot that you have on, on a part of the Shemona Esrei, which is all very sweet and very important as well. But the most fundamental underpinnings, I think, are really what, uh, what so many struggle with. I mean, I see just high school kids in our community. And um, I don't teach in a high school, but obviously through the shul, you interact with people of all different ages. And I just feel with high school kids, like, how often do they ask the question? Does HaKadosh Baruch really listen? How many times have I davened for something and it just didn't happen? I think that comes from just a, a misunderstanding of what tefillah actually is. It's not a candy machine. Like, we're going to put it in, we're going to, you know, turn the money around, and then a gumball is going to come out. Obviously, that's not really what happens. It's a very immature way of looking at davening, but I think it's something that people struggle with. And it's so wait, so, Reb Shai, you asked the fabulous Shaila, right? Mm-hmm. You asked Manashach. If you're supposed to get it because you did Metzis and Mice and Taivim, you're going to get it. If you didn't deserve it because you did Averis... Right, you don't have this chus. So mm-hmm. by davening, do I get something I don't deserve through tefillah? Right, that was your question, and what is your answer? Right, and I, and I think furthermore, do I need to remind Hakadosh Baruch Hu that I'm lacking this? He knows very well that I don't have the parnasa. So what am I what am I discussing? It's something that he's well aware of. So what's the point? So this question I think is raised first by the Sefer Achinuch and. Um, later by other Sifrei Machshava as well, who try to figure out, like, so what's the reason for it? So they, they build and they develop a theme about, it's just variations of the same theme, but it's really based on the Pusik in, in Parshas Beratius, where we're told that Adam was needed to bring out the Hatava of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
And, and the way some of the Bali Mahshava explain it is that you need the human being to become almost a kli, almost to become a, a receptacle for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be able to give him whatever it is that he's supposed to. So it's not as if I need to daven in order that the Rebona Shavalim should be convinced or that he should be reminded or that I should trick him, but rather it's that I should daven to be able to make myself a different kind of person who is worthy of then being able to accept that which HaKadosh Baruch who wanted to give me all along. Again, so a lot the, of variations uh, in that. And you have to quote the Rashi in Bereshis, right? Right. For Adam Ayin, Rashi says, without Adam to be a mispal for it, all of the all of Bria couldn't have happened. Right. Siyach HaSoda, Terem Yitzmach, right? Right. It just, didn't, it, just, it just couldn't get off the ground. So, you know, the, the Shulchan Aruch, when he talks about Tzila, he writes, he spalled Derech Tachnunim, and it shouldn't seem like it's a masri, umavakashli pater heimena. So I look around and you ask yourself, how often do people approach Tila with that very perspective? That it's just like, okay, I got to check in, I need to go, let me get this off my list, and umavakashli pater heimena. Like, I'm going to potter myself up by taking care of the chiyav that I have, not realizing this is an opportunity. I, I forgot where, but one of the Balei Machshava write, what's the reason why we refer, why we refer to Tila as lehispalel? Which is, which is reflexive. So it's not really the general way that we would have said it. And the way to explain it is that... How, sh- really, how should have you said it? Lefalel, uh, right, is to petition HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But Hispalel is really talking about something that is reflexive. So I, I don't remember if it's the Mabit that raises that in the base of Kim or one of the others, but I, I think the way they explain it is that Tfilah is something that does make a tremendous impact and impression on the person, him or herself. And that's really why we refer to it as lehispalel, is something that's not just connecting me or allowing me to petition the Ribbon Shalom for what it is that I feel I need, but it's way beyond that. It's something that really transforms me. I, I seem to remember, maybe you'll correct me if I'm wrong, I think one of the Rishonim writes where the Gemara says, someone who has a Chol of should go to So what does it mean? So I should ask someone else to be Mishpala for me? Why shouldn't I be Mishpala myself? Right? We believe in the Ami Mamans that every person has the ability to connect with the Rebona Shalom. So, of course, we know that Atzilas Atzalbik is very powerful. But I, I seem to remember, I think the Me'iri writes on that Gemara, a very novel interpretation. He says, go to the Chacham, Watch the way he davens, and you'll learn from watching the way he davens how you're supposed to daven. And that's what you should do when you have a crisis in your home and you feel that you need to turn to Tzila to be able to address it. So, you know, I, I, I guess I could say I know you're, you're close with my father, but I don't know if you've ever watched his derech in Avodis at Tzila. And I find, you know, there are very different kinds of Rashi Yeshiva, different kinds of personalities. Uh, but I do remember over the years, I had many Rabbein, many Rashi Yeshiva who de-emphasized tefillah, and during davening they were learning, and they were taking out svarim and doing different things, and not paying attention to Chazaras shots and you know, that's a mahalach, some do that. I was raised in a home where my father's avodas tefillah is so much a part of his entire persona and personality. He takes tefillah so seriously, really, never, ever comes late. I, he used to wake us up for davening, like, so much earlier than the tefillah. He used to leave the house for davening so much earlier than the davening. He used to tell us, if you're not early, you're late. You know, early is something that was very important to him when it came to davening, and he stands there throughout the entire Chazar Sashat with his feet together, pointing in the sitter, looking at every word. 
I, I even watched him many times when he had to dive into Yechidas. He was running somewhere, he was in a rush, and he couldn't make it to a minion for whatever reason. The Avodah Satfila at home was exactly the same as it is in the shul when he's standing in the base medrash with all the Talmud and with everybody watching. It's a certain uh, appreciation for what the connection that Tzvila can make a person feel. And that's what the album points out, that a person should have the ability when you have some kind of crisis and you feel you need to address it, you should have the ability to go to a Chacham and learn how to daven from watching that person in his Avodah Satsila. Beautiful. You know, they say over a Tyra that it says, the Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah, that Tshuva Tzvila is Mekarin like Zardinam. They tear up the Zardin. But our Nusach in Rosh Hashanah is different. We say, mm-hmm. It doesn't say Mekarin, it says Mavirin. Karin means you rip it up. Right, mm-hmm. Mavirin sort of means it's like means we're able to sort of get in front of it. And what does that mean? That there are times where we can't change the the gzardin, but the Rabbi Nishom could teach us how to deal with it. I remember years ago I was by Rabbi Yankif, right, and um, there was a person there who had two sons. One of the children was severely autistic. I mean, he was he was you know babbling and drooling, and the other kid was a regular kid. And the father came with his two sons, Trebiankov, and he said to him, "Could you give me a bracha for my son that he should have a refuah shalima?" And it doesn't seem autistic children or severely you know on the spec. It doesn't. It's not a reversible situation. And Trebiankov looked at him and he took his hand and he says. I give you a bracha that you should have twice as much nachas from this child. Wow. And I think that what you're saying is is that part of tefillah is not what Rabbi Nishom necessarily gives us, but is what does tefillah make out of us? What does tefillah do to us? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a, does Zardina and Mavirinlai Zardina Shalatam? And there's two different two different chinas, right? But when you watch someone who's really in it and who really appreciates what Tzvila is, it's just, it's just a totally different experience. It's really experiencing an Avodah Shebelev and seeing it firsthand. And when you follow, by, out, you follow by Shman Esrei stands by Chazar Sashatz like he does by Shman Esrei, because I believe the Rav Paskins in his Sefer, he says, since it's just, you're supposed to be, do it like if you're being Yaitza, he said, when you're Yaitza, there's a din of Ayamid Melech, he said, there's a din of Ayamid Melech by Chazar Sashatz to if you're supposed to be Yaitza, if that's that kind of Chazal. So your father okay. stands by Chazar Sashatz as if he does by the Tefillah itself too. But that's Rosh Hashanah and Kippur Chazar Sashat also. Right. So when you watch someone who's over 80 years old and still stands the entire Yom Narayim with his feet together, and really appreciates what that means, gives you a perspective that there's something real happening in a tzila, and there's something really that people are connecting to. Wow. I, I think about it. Somebody, in, somebody recently asked me, you know, in our shul, we make an announcement at the beginning of every tzila, if you're carrying a cell phone, please turn it off or put it on silent. So somebody came over to me and he said, you know, I don't talk to anybody during davening. I sit in my own corner. Why does it bother you when I'm waiting for them to begin Chazar Sashat? Why does it bother you that I take out, take out my phone and I scroll through my emails or I'm looking at whatever it is? It's a good question, right? So he's not, he's not, but he's not wearing his tefillin and it's not doing anything else. He's just sitting there. So he should be saying kill him. He should be Mavrasedra or whatever it is, but he's not. So he said, so I'm not disturbing anybody. Why does it bother you? So I actually thought it was a good question. I recently picked up a beautiful sefer on Siva that I'm enjoying very much. It's referred to as Tiferes Lemosha, um, Al Yusodis Atsiva. It's a really beautiful sefer by Reb Yermio Katz from Brooklyn. 
So he has, uh, he has this question in there, and he writes um, something to address it. He says, imagine you come to a chasana. Have you ever been to a chasana where the chasana or the kala pulls out their cell phone in the middle of the chasana and starts scrolling through, you know, in between the brachos, under the chuppah, when they're waiting for somebody to walk up, or they're waiting for something to happen? They're waiting for the next photographer to come in and take a picture. Do you think that they're scrolling through an email? Do you think they brought a book along to read in between Beinat Bekim? Of course not. Why? Some of the guests by a chasana do. Why? Because the chasana experience for a guest is not the same as it is for the participants themselves, for the chasana kala, who are the main attraction. It's their simcha. It's their night. So it would be inappropriate. They're so in the moment that they wouldn't even think of taking out a phone then. And he said, he argues that it's the same when we talk about Sila person who doesn't feel that they are in the moment, that they are the attraction of what's happening right now, that they are the main event of all that's going on in the Avodah Satsila, just simply doesn't understand what Avodah Satsila is. So it's true. You're not disturbing anybody, and you're minding your own business, and you're looking at your phone at a time when it's really not getting in anyone's way. But the chisarn is not in the fact that you may be bothering others. The chisarn is in the fact that you clearly don't understand that you are the main attraction. You are the one who's connecting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You're not just a spectator. You're not just a visitor. You're not a guest who's there watching from the sideline. So, That's beautiful. Rav Shai, thank you very much. And Aksiva v'chasim etayva. Agutiar, thank you. Kultiv, thank Kultiv, you. bye-bye. Joining us from New York is Rabbitson Slavi Jungreis Wolf. She's a world famous speaker and teacher. Her mother, famous Rabbitson Jungreis, Rabbitson Slavi, uh, writes for Ami, the Jewish Press, H.com. She also has printed um, How Can You Raise a Child with Soul, Raising a Child with Soul. She teaches in Manhattan High. She's a leader for couples at Hineni, etc., etc. I don't know how many hours are on her day, but it's, it must be more than 24. Welcome, Rabbitson Slavi. Thank you so much. An honor to be here with you. So, Rebetzin, how can people, particularly women, get connected to tefillah? Given all the noise in the world, I mean, and there's so much of it, right? Yeah. H- how do we take, how do we sort of put it all out of our heads and suddenly you're in front of a siddur or a machser and you have to dive in? How do you do that? So, the first thing I would say is that we have to believe in our koach of tefillah. You know, if you really believe in your power of tefillah, then you're going to want to daven. And when I was younger, when I was a kid, I used to think I was doing Hashem a favor every time I opened a sitter. And of course, you know, with, with age comes wisdom, and you realize that you need that connection. So how do you stay inspired? It's something that you want to do because this is a relationship. And if you want to invest in a relationship, then tefillah is our way of feeling connected. Women are naturally spiritual. So the whole day we're really talking to Hashem. And the whole day you're saying, oh, please, Hashem, let this kid come home okay. Let this doctor, you know, let that be okay. Please let this child do well on his Gemara test. Whatever it is, let this one get into the school. There's so much that a woman is davening for and speaking to Hashem all day. You don't even realize, but you've been connecting all day. When children are younger, of course, it's a little more difficult. The problem is that as children grow, do we grow? Because we have a little more time now, and are we stuck where we were, and we don't reconnect with our tefillah. So we need to think to ourselves, am I using my time, am I using my ability to connect, and am I really empowering myself with my tefillah? If I am, then I'll be inspired, because I want this. I want this relationship. But it all starts with a belief, knowing that my words make a difference. And if you don't believe that, then 
how can you be inspired? Right, like Rav Tzadik famously writes, he says, a person has to believe, just like, it's fascinating when she says, just as we believe in Hashem, we have to believe in our own mission. And if we have a mission, and you're, you're bringing out a very good point, he says, women are always davening. Women are talking to Hashem all day, and that's tefillah. So don't discount that. But I don't think it's just for women. I think men also need to believe in their koach of tefillah. If we would all really believe in our koach of tefillah, do you think there would be so much talking in shul? You know, talking in shul disables your tefillah. And I don't know if everyone is aware of this, but during Gezeros Tach Vatat, 1648-1649, Tosfus Yomtev had a dream. And his dream was that the reason that all this is happening, tefillahs are not being accepted because of talking in shul during Chazar Sashat. We disable our ability to daven. It's like you're unplugging your connection and then you're wondering why it's not working. So we have to charge, we have to recharge. And that starts by understanding that I have a huge role to play here in the world, in my family, in my life, in the role that I have for Klal Yisrael. I mean, women brought the Geul and Mitzrayim. And women, we all know, are said to bring the future gula. It comes from tefillah, but it's not just davening for ourselves. Koach of tefillah berabim means not just that you share a space, but you share somebody's pain and you care for them. So you're inspired too when you come to shul and think of somebody else who's davening right next to you. Put your pain aside, put your worries aside, and daven for that person who needs a shidduch, for that person who needs parnasa, for that person who's waiting for a baby. There's, there's so much to daven for, for that person who needs refuah shalema. When Hashem sees that we don't just care about ourselves, I mean, we're in Elul now, what does Hashem want from us? Koch tefillah berabim means that we care for each other. We don't judge each other. And you know what happens then? Hashem doesn't judge us in a negative way. Very powerful. Talk about judgment. I mean, on one hand, we, we don't want to judge. On the other hand, you know, what separates a human is we are constantly making judgments. Is this the right friend for my child? Is this the right clothing for my child? Is this the right bus driver for my child? Is this the right neighbor? Are these? So we, we, we're constantly judging. How do we suddenly plug off judgment? When we daven, you're saying? I mean, it's, it's something when you judge if something's right for you, if it's the same values that you have, but unfortunately, it's become a way where people judge others, you know, are they good enough? Or you just look at somebody and in a tenth of a second, you make a judgment. That's how long it takes, you know, one tenth of a second when you judge somebody. And if we want to come into Yamim Noram without a negative judgment, then we have to really curb the way that we look at people in a negative way. I want to give you an experience that I had. For years, we had Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur davening with Hineni, my mother's organization, in the city. And you never knew who would walk in. It was in the Essex house. Nobody bought a ticket. We had all our you know, wonderful Hineni people. But if anybody was walking by and they felt they wanted to daven, my mother never felt that you charged for davening. And one year, at the end of davening, my mother would always go up and she'd give a bracha to everybody. And as she was coming down, there was a woman who walked over to her, and it was obvious that she had walked in from the street. I mean, she was, she was rumpled and disheveled, and, you know, you can tell. <laughs> so there was somebody standing next to me, and we were watching the scene. The woman came over to my mother, and she said, she started to cry. She said, Rebbitson, 
I walked in from the street. I haven't been in a synagogue since I was a little girl. Would you give me a blessing? And the person next to me said, Ugh, that woman must stink. I don't know how your mother does that. And I was watching the scene, and then I said something that popped into my head. You know what the truth is? I said, right now, we probably all stink in Shemayim. If you think about it, we're all coming with things we've done this past year, things we've said, tones that we've used with people, things that really we're ashamed of. And what do we want? The same thing that this woman wants. Please, Hashem, you know, give me a bracha. Give me a hug. Embrace me. Accept me. Love me. And if we think about it like that, then how can we judge another person? We all want the same thing from Hashem. Chaim Tovim Varuchim. So much to daven for. How can we be busy looking at other people and judging them when there's so much that we want to ask Hashem for in our own lives? And Geula and Yeshua and the world is in such chaos. So we should be busy judging other people. We have so much koach here. We have so much power here. If we would just plug into that Ahavas Yisrael. You know, in my Siddur, and I'm sure it's in many of our Siddur, maybe every Siddur, but I founded my Siddur and I highlighted it. Before I daven, I say this every single day, Hareini Mikabal al-Atmi mitzvah kamocha. And I try to take 30 seconds. And that doesn't sound like a lot. But 30 seconds when, you know, you have your morning and and you're thinking. And I try to think of somebody I know who's in pain, who needs a Yeshua. And I try to put myself in their shoes. And before I daven for myself, I daven for them. Not because I'm great, not anything like that. But I realize that that's in our sitter for a reason before we start tefillah. Because it impacts the way that our tefillah is accepted. If I daven for somebody else, then Hashem sees that I care for Am Yisrael. If we can all do that, could you imagine the Avas Yisrael that we can bring into the world? 30 seconds. That's all. You know, you talk about judgment. I remember years ago in Shul, there was this fellow, uh, he used to run in at the end of the evening, like for 10 minutes, put on his tefillin and run out. And um, it made a very good impression on me. And, you know, you come in the last time, and somebody told me, he said, you know, it was six months later, he said, this guy's wife is, has dementia, and he takes care of her, and he's mocked to hire somebody for 10 minutes that he could go run into Tzolan and say, Amen Rabba by Shachras. That's really incredible. You never know. That's the truth. Everyone has a story. And, and most people, know. would you say, Reverend, most people try the best they can. It's just how much you can and what's called the best you can. It just so varies by the different kalim people are given. I think also that most people have great spiritual muscle that remains unused, that we don't even realize how great we can be because we think, me? You know, (laughs) I'm not a tzaddik. I'm just a regular person, me. And we don't realize that we really have within us a burning soul. It's it's a neshama on fire, but it's hard to be inspired all the time. If you, even if you take a second when you make a bracha during the day, right? And you don't walk around when you make the bracha, or you don't pop the food into your mouth as you're making the bracha, already you've created a better connection. So I would say we should all look for those little moments that you can find. You say, Asher Yatzer, don't move around. Just stay in one place and think, how thankful you are to Hashem that your body's working. If you, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I went recently with somebody to a hospital for a doctor's visit, 
every single floor, the elevator opened. You cannot believe how many departments there are. What a miracle the human body is. There's the heart, there's the lungs, there's the eyes, there's, there's vascular, there's the kidneys. I mean, I mean you could, every single floor. Every time you say Asher Yatsar, just to say thank you, Hashem, for the health, the health that I have in my body, Maflila Sos, what a Pella. If we think about that, that's a connection that you make. So sometimes we, we think it has to be this huge connection, you know, when I have to sweat when I daven and cry when I daven. And there are some people who are able to do that. But if you're not, it doesn't mean that you're not connecting. The first step is to take a little step. And that could be just to have kavana when you make a bracha. Every time you talk to Hashem, you're connecting. Talk to us, Rabbitson. How did your mother inspire people? With tefillah or just in life? Both. Both. What was her secret recipe? Her secret recipe, first of You know, your mother was Hungarian, right? She was Hungarian. And yes. I know that Hungarian cooks, the Hungarian women were always considered the best cooks, and they always had in every dish one secret recipe that they gave you the recipe. You had to be sure you got the secret one, too, or else the dish just wouldn't come out the same. <laughs> so, what, so what was your mother's secret recipe? Well, first of all, I don't know if all the listeners know. I would imagine that they do, but just in case, my mother was a little girl when she was put and taken away in Bergen-Belsen. And throughout that time, she never stopped believing, not only in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but in the power of Am Yisrael to stay connected to Hashem. And when we were growing up, we never heard stories of despair, but instead we always heard stories of spirit and courage and love. My mother would describe how my Zeta would have Shabbos and Bergen-Belsen. It was one of our favorite stories, and my children and all the cousins' favorite stories when they'd come for Shabbos. Friday night, they would all say, Bilba, tell us a story, and they would all gather around, and she would describe being in Bergen-Belsen. She's just a little girl. And my Zeta, every day of the week, instead of eating that tiny, moldy piece of bread that they would give him. My Zeta would hide that little bread away and Friday night would come and every single day they would count the days to Shabbos. My Zeta would say five more days, Kandalach, four more days, three more days and they would anticipate Shabbos in Bergen-Belsen. When Lil Shabbos would come, my Zeta would gather my mother and her two brothers and my grandmother and he would start to sing Shalom Aleichem. He would take out that little bread that he saved the entire week and he would say close your eyes kinderlach imagine that you're home mama hakabak the challah mama make challah and he would give the pieces of bread that he hid to each of them and he would say imagine the shabbos licht are dancing she smelled the challah and he would speak about the malachim the angels of shabbos and one week my uncle who's just a little boy said but tati i don't see any malachim here here, there's no angels. My Zaydi began to cry. Malachi, they had Malachi Chavala. Malachi, yeah, exactly. So my, my Zaydi started to cry, and he said, You are the Malachim. You are the Malachim of Shabbos. And this is how we grew up, and this is the message that my mother had for every single person she met. When she looked at you, she didn't see you. She saw your soul, and she saw that you were actually a Malach of Shabbos on this earth. doesn't matter where you were. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter how you grew up. You are a Malach of Shabbos. If you can have Malachim of Shabbos in Bergen-Belsen, you can have Malachim of Shabbos in every part of the world. And that was her secret recipe, that she would just see the neshama, the soul. She believed in the koach and the power of every single Jew. She never felt that somebody was lost. 
and there was never judgment. It was always just with a hava, with love, and she believed in the power also of studying Torah. She would never say, uh, you know, whitewash something. You know, come for a class, come to study, and then we can talk. You know, Rebbe Sinwin, going back to the beginning of creation, to the beginning of the Bria, it says, Rabbi Nishom wanted to create the Eilam B'midas Adin with judgment. It seems that judgment and relationships can't coexist. You can judge or you can have a relationship. You can't have both. That's what Hashem said. So judgment and relationships, both with spouses, with children, you want to judge your children, go for it. You're not going to have a relationship with them. And the same thing, I guess, your mother extended that to strangers as well. I guess she saw all of Kali Yisrael as her family. Uh, the only one we can judge is ourselves. As to how we can do better. That's why the word lehispalo means to judge ourselves. So we ask, what do I daven for? What am I, what am I asking Hashem for? How do I daven? Do I have enough gratitude? You know, it's important to take a few moments before you daven and just get into the mode. And everybody can do that. It's just for a few moments. But just as you said, 100% not to judge. You know, that's how we grew up. Just always with love. And considering where my parents came from, that they both came from so much loss and so much grief. They would have been able to be angry, bitter people, but instead they were just the kindest. My Zayda, my grandmother, Mama, just the kindest, most incredible home it was growing up. And I thank Hashem every single day for the Amuna that they taught me to have faith under fire, because that's true Amuna. So in some generations, you have to have your faith and your really living, really dying Al-Kiddush Hashem, but in, in some generations like ours, can you live Al-Kiddush Hashem? That's the question. Can you live Al-Kiddush Hashem? Rebetzin, one more question. How do you inspire women who are busy with their kids, right, and household tasks, and barely have to don't have a minute. And mm-hmm. so, so much so, you know, a lot of parties can say the reason why women are part of Tzila is because, because of these Chiyuvim. You know, the Samsaifi says the reason why women are part of Hanukkah, they're doing a bigger mission, they're raising the future of Kal Yisrael. Mm-hmm. How does somebody who is, has a screaming kid on this thing, another kid's got to be fed, how do they dive in? So, um, I Men, as, 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 as a man, I find it's hard to understand this, but, you know, you know, I understand there are women. They got, you know, I have, Baruch Hashem, I have kids. They have four kids under the age of, of, of five. You know, how do you daven? Right. So I want to address the halacha part. For that, I would ask that you speak to Rav as to the halacha part. I would address the hashkafa part. And I would say, first of all, as I did, that women are spiritual beings. So when you are talking and hoping, that's a tefillah, and you have to recognize that that's a tefillah. And... I think that when you really want to do something, you find the time to do it, right? You find the time for the power walk or you you find the time for whatever it is that you find important. To me, tefillah is self-care. I cannot go through a day without tefillah. How much you have to daven, like I said, I won't talk about the halacha part because that's not my role, but I will say that whatever you do, realize that you're creating a connection. When you bench Shabbos Lecht, Every woman benches Shabbos Lacht, right? Do you run in and just, oh my gosh, and come into Shabbos like that? Or do you take a few moments and realize that you're able to break through to Shemaim right now? You know, the Biala Rebbe says, and I'm going to quote him, within the potential of every woman is an astonishing power to transform and uplift this world in a way that men are incapable. That was the Biala Rebbe. That's what he said. 
So if you think about that, you have a koach as a woman, you have a muscle, but if you don't use it, it's going to atrophy. Just like if you break an arm and you take the cast off and that arm looks like it's all shriveled because you haven't used the muscle. If you go for years and you don't use your tefillah muscle, the muscle's going to atrophy. So when you have children running around, of course, it's very difficult to daven. You have to realize that your entire mission of raising these kinderlach, raising these children, is tefillah. Every time you say moda'ani with the baby, that's your tefillah. Every time that you say shema with your child, that's your tefillah. And every time you bench lech, that's your opportunity for tefillah. The yukno shel aviv, the image that you have, remains so strong in your children's mind that they should see that at least when you make a bracha, that's your tefillah. So do you do it with kavanah or you're doing a hundred things at the same time? Whatever you do, you do it with kavanah. It doesn't have to be a whole day. But think about it. We have so many opportunities during the day. I have, I have in my possession my mother's Tehillim book. Every page is filled with her tears. No speech can give me that. It's what I've seen in my life. And I hope that after 120, my children see the same. Koloch of Tefillah of mothers and grandmothers and women is incredible. Rabbi Tzinyu Mechavin, the Gemara in Brachis and Afrafalus says, Rabbi Yechinen said, Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for a person to be mispal the entire day? And your message is, you're saying to all the mothers, you may not realize it, but you are the words of Rabbi Yechinen, you are mispal kolayim kulay. So even the few minutes of Tefillah that you actually do do, you've really been preparing for it all day long. Absolutely, and thank you for encapsulating that. I appreciate it. Robertson, a good to bench, Amen. Good to bench, Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you.